0: Welcome to Collector's Corner, the premier digital art platform.
1: We help collectors gain and maintain their edge, all while appreciating beautiful art. Let's jump in.
0: Man, this topic, I, I can't tell you how excited I am for this one because this is literally scratching my own itch. Oh, here's Jay Pause. I'm going to throw you up here to co-host. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like everything that we've been trying to do for Gen Art and help people on board, I was like, ah, man, I need to learn more about this AI art world, which is growing so rapidly, both in terms of attention, but it also seems in terms of the outputs. And so we're really excited for this because I think that there's something really interesting and special here. And it's kind of this realization that whatever new technologies we create, it seems like there's going to be art that emerges from it. And from the AI standpoint, like AI is evolving really, really rapidly. So I'm like, we might see all sorts of interesting stuff that emerges from AI art as AI itself becomes more and more subdivided and the technology evolves. So really, uh, I mean, that's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. But the purpose of this was to help people just navigate where to start. And this isn't meant to be just for beginners, because I think that in these types of conversations, as you all share who, you know, some of the questions that we have around who are the top collection, or sorry, what are the top collections? Who are the top artists? Where are the top platforms? Who's up and coming? I think that even you speakers as experts in this space will also be reminded or perhaps discover new art and artists that you hadn't known about from each other. So I'm excited for that part too. We We found that phenomenon happening as we've done award shows and prediction shows and things like that. So I think it'll be really fun for anyone who's new to AI art, for anyone who has been in the space. And yeah, it's also just a way to celebrate like art and artists and community that I think all of us are really passionate about. So very, very excited for that. And uh, just some quick introductions, uh, like housekeeping. So this is going to be a recorded episode. We'll put it out on our podcast. I am going to be recording... Uh, everybody that is spoken about every artist every collection up and coming blue chip whatever and we'll put out a tweet thread to share that with everybody and then of course anybody can go back and listening excuse me and listen to the recording so audio only but this is going to be great again thank you so much for taking the time for our speakers and perhaps i could just hand it over to you all to quickly introduce yourselves. Maybe we can go Clownvamp, Linus, and then Tim, just as they are. That's the order they're on on my screen.
2: Uh, Hey, Uh, well, thanks for having me and excited to chat with everyone. Um, So my name is Clownvamp and I'm a recovering vampire uh, turned AI collector and AI artist. Um, I, on the collecting side, Um, I really sort of got fascinated by AI, seeing sort of what was happening with the mid-journey beta last year and sort of got AI pilled, I like to say. And, you know, my collecting went from 0% AI to 10% to 50% to now it's about 90 to 95% of my collecting is AI. I have um, a few thousand pieces on Tezos, a few hundred on ETH. And then I also create AI art. Um, I have, I do all of my AI art within these concepts of sort of story universes on Tezos, I have two story universes that I sort of explore. One is called Detective Jack. It's a um, called Barbie Noir, very pink uh, murder mystery. I do these choose your adventure series where each week you get to pick um, which path down the mystery you want to go down using burn mechanics. And then I also have a series called The Truth, which is a story about an Impressionist painter who witnesses an alien invasion and paints the scenes that he sees. Um, and then on Ethereum, I I do a series called Panic Land, which is all about exploring concepts around moral panic, both good and bad. And so everything I'm doing is around the idea of timelines, alter timelines, our timeline, uh, potential, you know, other sort of worlds we could have lived in or maybe should live in. Um, and yeah, and that's and that's me. And you know, love talking about AI and super excited to be here and geek out with all of you.
3: Yeah. Um... That's a lovely background. Thanks for sharing. Um hey everyone, my name is Linus. I uh am fund manager of a fund called Alphaverse, which is part of a broader group called Alphaverse Capital. Um uh, my background is uh studied economics and I come from a poker background. Um been an entrepreneur for for as long as i can in between i've had sort of production companies i've worked through social media i've uh spent time with artists interviewing them and learning from them obviously and then creating on my own um and uh with Alphaverse capital we're uh, with the Alphaverse Fund. we are i collect um pretty much every niche within nfts um so gaming um, photography we have a large photography collection um, and uh, collectibles and Gen art we have an extensive Gen art collection and then uh, as well AI art so um, uh, I've I've been quite fascinated I'm quite eccentric and I've been quite fascinated in, in sort of like how the interplay of uh, the combination of, of how humans will, will sort of merge with different technologies, how we've done it kind of like historically through the past and then how we're doing it progressively into the future and, um, became incredibly fascinated, uh, with AI art. Maybe, uh, initially when Genesis and podcans came out, I had initially, um, purchased those two brain drops, and then you know about eight to 10 months ago. Uh, I really started to dive deep. I saw, I started like looking at pieces on Tezos and an object. I saw Clown Vamp. Um, Clown Vamp, you were a fantastic collector. So I was kind of like looking at what you were collecting and then seeing some of the stuff that you were creating. And then I started exploring from there. Um, and that sort of seeded um, looking deeply kind of into the past of AI uh, and then led into where we are today.
0: Amazing. Yeah, go ahead, Tim.
4: Hello, hello. Uh, so uh, I'm Tim. I am what? What am I? Uh, I'm an investor. Uh, uh, first, it was equity, some later VC. Uh, these days, I angel invest and I began to collect art two years ago uh, across 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 the space. Everything from the original crypto art to generative art, AI art, and photography. And because of my analytical background, I tend to on und- understand the world through the lens of numbers, and hence the reason why um, there are so many threads that I post which contain numbers, which create the context, the numerical context around different categories of art, and uh, something that I've been sharing with the the community.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming for all three of you. As you can see, we have a, a diversity of backgrounds here and current roles, you know, artist, uh, fund manager, uh, analyst slash investor, and we're all collectors. So this is where we all get to come together and have this common ground. So I'm really, really excited to dive into this. And I want, I would be remiss if I didn't quickly just, uh, say, uh, you know, mention that up on stage is also Jay Paz, my co-host at Collectors Corner. And my name is P, you may know me as at Aston Cloud. Please check us out, uh, sign up for our newsletter. We do a weekly newsletter increasingly with more and more AI information on there as I get further interested in it, in it and it just becomes more and more important. So check out our, our uh, you know our Twitter page, give us a follow, subscribe to our, our Substack, we'd appreciate that. Now, and also really quickly, Jared, how are you doing?
1: It's been a busy day, my man, but super excited for the panel, a lot of uh, diverse opinions and as I like to say, big brains on stage. That's
0: right. And for once, I will be shouting up and letting people talk. So here's how we'll do this. I will ask you guys a couple of questions. And I know that there's going to be a lot of overlapping responses as we talk about really kind of the, the higher level of the AI art world. And so we'll start with the first one with Clown Vamp, then go Linus, then Tim, and then maybe we'll go in reverse order. as I expect that, excuse me, you, you all will be saying similar things. For some of these questions. So we'll go ahead and get started. The first question that I think comes to mind for a lot of people who don't know a ton about a given genre is, you know, who are the top artists in this space and why?
2: So um, I think about the AI art movement as sort of having three distinct sort of phases. I call them waves. I call them sort of wave zero, wave one, wave two. Wave zero is sort of let's call it everything before sort of like 2016, 2017, 2018, when there started to be a really rapid pace of development on the sort of underlying tech. And so like an example here is like, you know, like Harold Cohen, who, you know, in the seventies was creating, um, you know, automated robots that would anticipate decisions and draw based on them. And his work is right now in LACMA as part of their computer art exhibit. Um, there was people who sort of were doing these sort of almost more like sci-fi experiments, you know, over the last few decades. And then um, basically a few years ago, there was a development of this technology called GAN, which is Generative Adversarial Networks, which basically you would train um, a model and the model would start generating images. And then there's another model that would classify whether or not that image was a good fit or a bad fit to what you had trained it against. And they would sort of point at each other, hence adversarial, and they would sort of keep iterating until the image looked more and more like the training set. And these technologies were um, the first to be able to create things that I think looked particularly, uh, had some like cohesiveness to them. And, you know, there's a lot of sort of like early experiments and things that people were doing here, you know, and this is where you think about like Pindar and Claire and some of these people got started. And then what happened was, and that's what I call sort of wave one AI art. And then what we're currently in is the second wave of AI art, which is, you know, in terms of the amount of art, definitely the biggest. And that's where we had these new diffusion models come out where, you know, diffusion is a technology that sort of came down from denoising tech, where essentially to make it really, really straightforward, they developed an AI that could denoise an image really well. And then they said, well, what if we take complete random noise and then try and denoise it, what would happen? And they figured out that you could actually guide that denoising process to an image. And even if there was no original image, like even if it's just random noise, which is a bit of a head fuck. And this is where, you know, you'll hear the term latent diffusion, clip guided diffusion. But diffusion is that sort of denoising process. And it's why... If you ever use an AI image generator, it starts as literally like random noise and then slowly becomes more and more clear. And so in that second wave movement, that's really I mean, we're seeing this right now. There's like, you know, there's a whole sort of genre of artists that have grown up in the last year that are sort of in there and are you know, making waves. Um, obviously, Claire, you know, is a huge name and has you know, she's been doing a lot of stuff there. Um, but, you know, now we're seeing folks like, you know, Roop with his brain drops, Life in West America, that just immediately took off. And that is a use of diffusion technology. And so I think we're still in that, like, early stage setting phase of, like, the art canon, where, you know, there's still, I think with Wave Zero, we sort of know, like, there were certain players that are really important and history books are going to be really important. And I think in the first wave, we kind of know, like, some of these early GAN artists. Um, whether that's, you know, Pindar, or, you know, I see in the in the room, we have Deep Black who did some really early GAN art on Ethereum. Um, and I think we're still like history is yet to be written on the second wave, which I think is what we're all sort of witnessing right now in front of us. And as for me, at least as a collector, the most exciting because it's like we're like living through it as we speak on this call right now. And it's all yet to be decided. So it's hard to say who's the biggest artist? Because like, you know, like they might not even started yet. Like that's how early we are to that. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll shut up now. (laughs) No, this is
0: amazing. Thank you so much for that context, because I didn't know any of that. And this is super helpful to learn about and think through. And I totally hear you on phase three, how that's not yet defined, but going back to kind of phase zero, the, the pre-GAN, technologies just really curious other than Harold Cohen is there anyone else that's worth knowing about just as it you know historical that something we should know about
2: so there's been sort of like stops and starts throughout it so like there's this artist Tim White who's like represented by sort of like blue chip galleries like I think he's managed by Kate Voss um, which is kind of which is kind of fun and who now represents Ganbrood um, but the thing which is kind of weird about that, like, Wave Zero was that it, it there wasn't that many. And, um, you know, like Harold Cohen, for example, was viewed really as an iconoclast, but he had, like, all these blue chip shows. Like, he had, I think he had, like, a retrospective at the Tate or something. And so one thing that's kind of interesting about AI art that, you know, there's a Twitter thread, someone was talking about this the other day, is that, you know, since Harold Cohen, it's... Been surprisingly like embraced by the sort of trad art world, whether that's blue chip galleries or museums. Um, you know, right now Rafik Anadol, who is probably one of the biggest names in the entire AI art movement. You know, he has a giant piece in the lobby of the MoMA. <laughs> um, so, like one thing that's kind of weird, and maybe we can talk about it later, is that AI art, since its inception, has been something that for whatever reason, and I have some theories, but I'd be curious, other people's theories, traditional museums, traditional art collectors have found really fascinating and have embraced way quicker than, you know, you might expect. Um, And I actually have like a bit in my head of a weird, like little inception thought, which is like, I wonder if AI art is what sort of NFT pills these traditional art institutions rather than the other way around. You know they're so excited about Rafik that they're starting to do like i think moma did like an nft drop partnership um with when they did that big lobby piece and so i almost think like i wonder if ai will be the true gateway drug for you know major contemporary art museums to get really behind nfts but that's my gigable coming out so
0: <laughs> yeah and i mean certainly ai technology has a better reputation than than blockchain these days so uh, perhaps that's something that could help move things along more quickly. Uh, okay, amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, Linus, what are your thoughts on who the, the top artists are and why? Yeah, I actually wanted a continuation
3: of what, what Clown Vamp just said. I, I just wanted to ask a question. What do you think is the, what do you think just sort of your intuition is for the driving force for why that adoption is happening? Um, within my traditional, traditional art folks, yeah, within traditional, because I've I, you know in, in the time that I've spent, uh, I've seen it too, and I was I was quite surprised to see how prominent it was at Art Basel when it was still at the forefront within our space itself. So curious, your take?
2: Yeah, I think it's that in part, I think that the art community, the traditional art community, has sort of seen this rodeo before where there's a big, new, important sort of technology medium. And, you know, there's sort of like a huge blowback to it. And I think they sort of know that that's usually indicative of there being something important there now. Like, I think they're sort of like, ah, you fooled us once with photography, you fooled us twice with pop art. You're not going to fool us again. Like, you know, the fact that people are writing hysterical articles just means it's important. So I think it's probably at that right balance of edgy, uh, but not too scary right? Where they're like, you know, if you're a curator at one of these galleries, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to use, you know, Rafiq Anadol to come in and build a model on every image in our catalog. Like, I think it's that right level of edgy that sort of people be like, yeah, that's really cool. Um, So I think it's partly that. I think it's partly that they've, I think, been burned a few times before by being overly skeptical. Um, And I think there's something about you know, I'm a, I'm a big optimist on humans and people, like, you know, it's a, you know, maybe to a fault, but I don't think so. And I think most people in the traditional art world really do love art and really do love creativity. And I think there's also something about the sort of revolutionary nature of AI and the way in which it's pushing accessibility down um, for people with sort of like lower access to, you know, creative skills and tools and money that I think is like inherently sort of punk rock. And I think if you're a curator at the MoMA, I think deep down, you really want to be like your image of yourself as someone who like cares deeply about those issues. And so I think you sort of see that when you see the AI art movement versus I think the generative and code-based art, you know, which obviously is been getting increasing attention from traditional, you know, blue chip institutions. But I think in some ways it seems like it's going to take longer I think maybe because the sort of generative and code-based art feels a little more established, like not establishment, but like elitist of like, you have to be a programmer or you have to have like, you know, I think at least in theory, a fancy computer, there's like these sort of barriers to entry versus AI has very, very, very low barriers to entry, which I think makes it a more revolutionary and sort of punk rock populist sort of art movement. Right, that's a really
3: fascinating take. the The accessibility of it um, gives
2: it broader, broader way to scale through through collectability, right? Yeah, it's, it, it's meaning um, itself. You know, like everyone using Lenza, for example. Like, you know, I have so many like, normie like normy friends who, you know, they know I do this like weird AI stuff. And then once they use Lenza, they're like, "Wait, tell me more about that weird AI stuff." You know, like it's sort of memeing itself into like everyone's consciousness. Yeah, definitely, hundred um, percent.
3: So, so I'll attack this kind of from a different vector in that uh, I'm I'm approaching sort of AI art art and artists from like categorizing it in terms of how you might categorize uh, like traditional, like one of one art that's already in NFTs. So, uh, sorry, art that's already been in NFTs. So you have sort of one-on-one artists and then you have uh, collections and then you have something along the lines of um, what are like early, uh, we'll call them practice works or like, a period where artists can sort of like refine themselves and then i think that those happen within sort of like different places here within our space um so like obviously there's historic there's historic which you touched on i think like some of the artists in, in there that are still contemporary which would be like gambrood um and kind of like what what he's done and then uh attacking this kind of like from the 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 category of um Collections versus one of one. I think, I think from my perspective as a collector, um, for what it takes to train a model, from what I what I love, like, I'm less experienced than you are, but from what I've learned about training models, in that like I find that the artist for a one one is is hand is like essentially curating a piece, right? So they can whether it's through like Mid Journey, but they start with a prompt, or they take a piece of art and then they put it into a model that they train themselves. That they sort of like reinvigorate and add more data to, and then spit something out. And to me, you just can look through different iterations, whatever that is, and come up with a single piece. And then a question might arise, like where meaning comes in. Does the meaning come within, like the begin before you put the before you put the piece together and train the model, or does the meaning come from the output? I guess that's like a whole sort of different category. But uh, to me, you end up with like great one of one. Uh, art and in, in some of that category, we're seeing sort of like artists that are already creating, like Nurbidzklad, like uh, which would be Helen, and then you have um, you have kind of uh, some of what Claire's work is, and then I look at collections. Um, I the way that I understand collections up until this point is that I think collections are much harder to create um, in the sense that you are, you're creating a big data set of pieces that are all hand curated, maybe up until this point, they're not generated, they're hand curated. So you have to hand curate kind of like a large amount of outputs to create a collection. And then all of those pieces have to fit within the scope of what a collection would look like, so that it looks, so that it appears cohesive. And fits like a narrative that is the driving sort of storyline behind what any collection is. And I think that's why Rupe's Life in America is has done so excellent because um, I think up until this point, it's been quite difficult with the technology that exists to create large collection sizes that have both a meaning and an arc to the narrative, but are also like diverse enough to where they're there's like, you're able to disseminate between each of the different differentiate between each of the different pieces within the collection themselves. And and so when I look at life in West America, I see, I feel like a a way that they're all connected. And yet the artifacts let me know that it's still trained by an AI. But like each pit, each piece fits within the concept of like color photography in the 60s in, in West America. So I think that that up until now has been pretty difficult to do. And so and so like I look at the collections that exist within that uh you you even have like the Gann works from Pinder, right from you have you have like some of his uh his his works um and then you have the works by deep black um and uh maybe some like hidden hidden gems in there like some older ones like eponyms and and um, you obviously you have Claire to meet. Claire's work in Genesis was one of the first like striking collections where I saw uh, a story told throughout the entire collection. So my take is kind of like, and may- maybe someone can correct me here, is that like we haven't reached this this period of time where you can create full generative like AI collections in the way that you can create gen art collections right like can you train a model right now so that it spits out 500 pieces that have a collection narrative to them and so any anyone who's able to create those i put kind of like this extra special little stamp on them from a collector's perspective because i think they're quite difficult um and 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 like i talking about artists in there i think entangled others i'm I'm in love with some of the work. I think it's it's an incredible collection, chimerical stories. Um, you have so, sort of a a bunch of the brain drops works that are out. Um, and then so historic, uh, you got historic collections one one. I feel like I'm missing something in there, but I'll jump off and and hand it over to Tim
1: real quick before tim hobson i i I love what you guys are saying because especially with life in west america the the continuity throughout the project being on the peripheral of ai seeing the the throughput one of the things i loved about that project in particular also was you could almost put yourself in the the photograph and and generate a story it it just it felt very natural to the pieces and i think that that's why there's a, a strong allure to it it's that, that's the intersection of AI I'm looking for, is when people almost have to do a double-take to really understand if this is, you know, is this real or generated, so. Uh,
4: Jared, J- J- you're, you're so spot on. Uh, it's, like, the, the collection totally blurred the lines between AI-generated art and any other category of art. It was just stunning, and uh, you immediately, you didn't even question it. You just loved it. You resonated with it, and uh, I... Just as we no longer use the word NFT art today, I don't think we will be saying AI art a year from now. Like It would just be art. Uh, and I so much look forward to that. But uh, in, in the meantime, saying, it, saying that, like labeling it as AI-generated art helps create a context around it uh, and, and understand how early we are. Like, for example, from the market value standpoint, uh, the total market value of uh, AI-generated art at this point is roughly $100 million. To put this into context, art on the blockchain is valued at $7 billion. So you do the math and you realize how early we are and how much runway for growth there is for AI art. And I'm absolutely stoked by that. And uh, going back to the original question about uh, who's the number one artist, I think uh, I'm the numbers guy and I would just uh, substantiate uh, uh, all the amazing points that um, um uh, you, you folks have made i will create a, a i will substantiate it with a little bit of quantitative uh context every artist is the number one in their own unique way and i'll provide you with three examples so uh claire silver in my opinion is the most amazing storyteller out there she is her co-work her is the most valuable of all the ai AI-generated part on the blockchain. Uh, I believe that the, t- the combined value of her two collections is uh, around 20, 25 million. Like, I'm, it's, it's, it's getting really difficult to keep up on uh, this enormous price appreciation every day. So, but it's somewhere between 20 and 25, which makes her the most valuable AI artist out there. And uh, also noteworthy, her work is one of the most scarce. She has two collections, 500 pieces, like roughly 500 pieces each uh and uh it's um just incredibly scarce, and uh, it does uh contribute um to the work being incredibly valuable obviously like building on the amazing storytelling that she does but then when you look at pindar pindar's uh, pindar is the number one selling artist so his his collections traded had the, the, the highest trading volume on the blockchain. I believe that it's again, like it's over 20 million. No, no, no one comes even close to that. And uh, his work is much more abundant. And he's just such an incredible tinkerer. Like he's, he's pushing the boundaries of creativity and innovation in absolutely phenomenal, crazy ways. And uh, he's blurring the lines between AI art, generative art, and other mediums. And like the work that he's doing with uh, with quantum computing is just absolutely insane. Like, he, like, we thought that we got to the point of true randomness with generative art. Like, he is taking it so many steps further. And uh, from, to me, like, he is definitely number one when it comes to those things. And then you think of Robbie Barrett, uh, he, his 101 was uh, fetched the highest selling price. I believe that uh, the all-time high was 335 ETH, which at the time was about a million dollars. Uh, uh, and the work was acquired by Kevin Rose. And that was 18 months ago. So uh, I don't think that there is another one-on-one AI art piece that came close to that market value. And finally, uh, Rafik uh he is the number one grossing artist. Like he grossed over $10 million to the, over the last two and a half years. Um, in the space, including one and a half million from his, um, from, um, from his auction at Sotheby's, but the role that he plays in the space is enormous. Like he brings AIR to the mainstream, Like his work was seen by tens of millions of people here at the MoMA. His work was seen by almost hundred million people at the most recent Grammys, even though like he's. Uh, AI art on the blockchain may not have appreciated in value as much as some of his peers. He is um, shining the light on AI generated art on the blockchain so much that it's absolutely like it's beyond valuable. And I can go go on and on and on. Like as I said, like every artist is a number one in their own right.
0: That's amazing. I was hoping you were going to bring the quantitative angle, Tim. So thank you for that. And I'm just going to, just because I, I think this is a really important topic on sort of who are the names that people should know about, like who, who are the top artists that you can start following and see if they're releasing new works, etc. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, say back all the names we've heard and give you all a chance to see if there's anybody else you want to add. So we have heard Tim White and Harold Cohen, sort of like those early OGs, and then we've heard... Deep Black, Pindar Van Armin, Claire Silver, Brood, Helena Sarin, who's neural bricolage or Collage. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that one. Uh, that's her her Twitter handle. Uh, so Helena Sarin and then Robbie Baron, Rafiq Anadol. So anybody else that
2: you guys oh, want Oh, I ask? mean, there's like 5,000 others. Um, I mean, we someone mentioned Ganbrood, who I think is – really important um, artist, you know, in this space, you know, you know, was exclusively minting on Tez up until recently for environmental reasons before the merge um, now is represented by Kate Voss, um, you know, Mario Klingman, AKA Quasimondo, sort of early super rare AI artist, um, really amazing work has been in sort of traditional auctions. Um, I think there's one of the things I think I struggle a little bit with the sort of emerging AI meta narrative is that like, I think like we're seeing all these collectors who are sort of new to AI, which is great. And I think there's sort of like the obvious thing you go walk in, you're like, okay, like, give me metaphors, right? Like, what's the squiggles of AI? And um, what's the fidenza of AI? And I think like, it kind of misses to some degree, some of the fact of like, how damn early the AI art movement is like, so many of the tools that have really in the last, you know, literally 12 months, like the mid journey beta was 12 months ago that it, it opened. Um, so many of these tools are so new that like, you're sort of part of determining what those things are, I think. And so like, I would also think about a lot of the artists who are, um, you know, said, so A, I think there's like, a lot of the artists who are going to be sort of canon have yet to even start. And I think that's a really important thing. And we can talk more about, well, how do you sort of collect the most emerging artists if we're in an art movement that like it's really sort of like it's all still like a land sort of like who's gonna end up where um, and then I think there's a category of folks uh, which you're seeing now have been onboarded pretty aggressively by super rare which has been amazing the last two months um, of these sort of like emerging super rare you know AI artists you know there's strange thing for example who's you know does these um, Sort of Renaissance um, remixes where he drops sort of modern fashion into the sort of Renaissance era that have been selling really well. There's Triple um, Zero Nine, who's on who I can see is in the audience here. Whose pieces are really wonderful and sort of pull from his background as a graffiti artist into using AI. Um, there's Red Rum, who you know is consistently selling you know, pieces for um, you know one two three four ETH. Um, there's Richard Nadler, who it's sort of, again, one of these artists who's like consistently selling is one of ones for around two ETH. And I think like that category um, of artists who sort of has like, sort of like proven themselves and should have already shown the test, you know, some early test of time and it has a consistent collector base. I think there's a lot of really interesting opportunities sort of among that group to collect. And I'm, I'm still collecting there, but it's starting to get out of my price range. Um, and then I think there's an entire emerging ecosystem where there's artists who literally started three weeks ago who, you know, you can sort of already tell are gonna be incredible if they stick to it, which is a big question at this point, right? Like anytime you have like new artists, there's like an inherent sort of Lindy effect problem of like maybe they're really talented, but it's too early to tell like, are they gonna to stick to it? Are they like gonna be excited about it when they go through like the inevitable lull? Like how does that sort of look? And so I think just one thing I'd sort of like just say is like, I think as you're approaching it as a from a collector, and I know some people have more of an investor hat, I think just like you could do yourself somewhat of a disservice uh, even with those hats on where I think there's like so much very Cambrian nascent sort of explosion going on where I think getting yourself into that world, into that scene, um, A, not only I think would be very emotionally fulfilling, but I think you'd find that actually like that's where you know, I think there's there's going to be a lot of other people sort of on the Mount Rushmore of AI um, that haven't even started yet, just for context of sort of like where we are. So.
0: Yeah, 100% agree with you. And I think these are fantastic points. And I actually really enjoy how you sort of split up other segments of artists, which are those who are, you know, you feel pretty good at, about and maybe they're starting to get out of the price range, but maybe they're not at the current Mount Rushmore, knowing that that's going to be modified over time since we're so early in the movement. And just for context on the question, so like why are we stop starting with the, the top, top AI artists? Because like even for myself, as someone who has not yet started collecting, my initial thoughts to make sure I don't lose my shirt and lose a bunch of money are, let me go and find the tried and true blue chips, so to speak, to the extent that that exists in the space or go all the way down to people who are like relatively new, up and coming, and is just at a lot cheaper price point. So I risk less, uh, you know, and thinking about this from an investment standpoint, sure. But even, I mean, nobody wants to buy something and it drops like 50% the next day, and then never recovers type of a thing, even if you're collecting it for the joy of it. So I 1000% agree with you. And thank you for mentioning, uh, you know, Richard Nadler, and some of those other ones that you brought up, because that's, Also, something that we're we're really trying to figure out is is who are these up and coming folks as well. And so, uh, yes, completely agree. And this is awesome context. And maybe actually, this is a great segue for the you know talking about some of the up and coming artists that you all like that you're seeing. And I know you know none of this is financial advice. This is not about this is where you go and make money. But perhaps some of the artists who are newer, like you were mentioning Clown Vamp, that are just starting to emerge that you like. And no, no one's going to hold you to this, but just somebody you might want to shout out that you think they have cool work. And maybe we could go in reverse order this time. Uh, Tim, is there anybody that you enjoy that you want to highlight?
4: Uh, there's so many that I enjoy, uh, there are very few that I collect. Uh, and uh, there, there are several who, uh, to whom I'm paying attention. I'll, uh, I'll mention three names, uh, Charles AI, Delta Sauce, and Red Rum. And uh, I highlight these three because they have consistently created and sold out their work. And you can trace their evolution as artists and also recognize immediately their style. And to me, it's incredibly valuable.
0: Fantastic, appreciate those. Uh, Linus, any like up and coming artists that you like, and, and maybe what it is about them that you like? Yeah, I wanna I wanna segue in off of uh, kind of Cloud Vamp's
3: previous conversation because um, I think he hit the nail on the head a little bit about the the explosion of new artists that are coming out, and a lot of the artists he mentioned, like they. I had discovered some of them or found them like through collecting, uh, early works on like, uh, Tezos where they've all blossomed into kind of this, this new arc that they have. Um, red rum is, is, a, is, another example. Uh, data velvet, um, was one that wasn't mentioned who kind of fits in that category. Um, so I very much think that that's a great way to collect right now. I think that, um, there are lots of great artists that you can and watch and, and, and follow their trajectory and they'll end up kind of selling on foundation for 0.25 and then explode up into the one, two, three range, which where the artists that you mentioned are at. Actually, I one of the artists uh, that I've been, become absolutely fascinated by right now is Richard Nadler. Um, and uh, I think some of the work that he's doing is incredible. I'm still quite new to it, but I've just been taken, taken aback uh, buy it a lot um, and uh, in in that category I'll add in data velvet I think what he's doing kind of like with the combination of explosion of colors and data um, and you can one of the cool like really cool things that I like about um, the way nfts are set up as a whole um, especially in AI art with the kind of current models that exist is you can go back and look, and see how their progression happens piece by piece to from where they are in the past today and kind of get this snapshot into the, into both the like the transitory nature of the tools that are being used as well as the like increasing, um, increasing skill that artists are kind of like undergoing. Um, and being able to watch that, I think you'll learn a lot about in artists or about kind of like this period that we're experiencing um yeah uh in in regards to specific artists um i think i just call it so if we want to talk like so maybe up-and-coming artists i just collected a piece from evelyn uh evelyn O. um she had such like a deep thought-provoking um uh way of sharing that her work that i was incredibly incredibly touched and then i found like the process to be to be really nice um and yeah red rum has moved into that three category i'm a i'm also a fan as others have mentioned um here uh i uh, if we're moving into like maybe a bit more pricey category i am going to mention sophia crespo um i think what sophia is doing with um like experimental biology or looking at what kind of this concept of uh what creatures could exist but don't actually exist so i think that it's a, an absolutely fantastic use of ai in the sense that like you can train up you can have this model that creates something that your your brain just thinks looks exactly like something that should exist on this earth and yet it doesn't you 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 couldn't tell. You just said, look at it. You identify and go, yeah, right. I, th- that exists. Um, and I think that her work is is spectacular. Um, so that's those are those are my uh,
2: my artists. Um, I'll will second Evelyn. The work is incredible. I uh, lucky to have a few pieces, and I just like some of my favorites in the collection. Um, There's, let's see, on the sort of like more, not like, I'll get to like super, super emerging, but like, you know, with some more of established collector base, um, I think, you know, there's a Anacondo is a really amazing artist and also someone who is a real sort of like leader in the community and I think a lot of people really respect and look up to. And I think, you know, we'll just continue to, you know, create amazing things. Um, there's three artists that come to mind that I think are really, they were sort of part of the OGs. And I think like every AI artist loves them, which I think is always a good sign. But um, Weird Nikita, Phosphor, and Ilya Shipskin, um, you know, those are three who doing it for a long time, everyone sort of knows them and loves them. Um, and so, you know, I, I really like collecting from them. You know, they haven't sort of reached astronomical prices, although sometimes, you know, their pieces will sort of pop off, pop off. But uh, they're are sort of fun to collect. Um, I'm a big fan of Crypto Hamster, who um, you know is on super rare now. You know, selling for sort of 0.5 to 1 ETH, really amazing. A lot of like meaning and thought, and just like he's uh, one of my favorite people in NFTs. Uh, and then my deep cuts are uh, Daniel Bispo, um, who is primarily on Tezos, but can also be found on F- Foundation does these, like, really amazing collages where he'll draw, like, an input image, generate AI outputs from it, do it multiple times, collage them all together. I mean, like, the dude is, like, really putting put in the work, and I'm not one who tries to, like, fetishize effort, because um, I think that's sort of a, a downward spiral towards uh, sometimes unnecessary effort, but I think he's someone who just, you can see through his process the amount of thought and intentionality behind it, and that's something I think is really, really important when collecting AI art. Um, and then my recent sort of obsession has been, I think he's hes in here, but Dai Mikami, um, who's doing really wonderful pieces on uh, Tezos and on Foundation that are, he's doing a lot of world building. This is sort of like sci-fi, sort of like futuristic world. that's very snow-capped, and he has this really strong visual language he's building, and every piece comes with um a small sort of short story, which I'm, which I'm always, uh, I'm always down for. Um, so yeah, those would be, those would be some more names. Um, but yeah, definitely encourage anyone who's interested to you know go to object um, because I think a lot of these artists sort of get their start on Tezos. And so, um, you know, it's a really good place to find really early and sort of you know, folks who are just getting started too.
0: Oh, this is super awesome. I am. Have now a lot of stuff to go and research and look into, but this is amazing. I mean, I really appreciate you guys sharing these thoughts and I'll throw a couple others out there that I like. Um, I like Mia Forrest in the post photography, uh, realm. Uh, she had a recent or they, I'm not sure, uh, had a recent collection that goes by the name of uh, botany, which I really enjoyed. And, uh, you know, another one whose works I like, and, and keep in mind, I, I'm by no means an expert, but I like uh, the AI Spaceships by Ann Spalter, which I thought was a cool collection that launched over the summer, and so I'll, I'll just add those to to the mix. And staying on the uh, thought of discovering new artists, uh, what platforms do you think folks should? pay attention to? I mean, you mentioned object, of course, but I'm um, thinking more platforms that are curated with the uh, the big one that comes to mind being Braindrops in that it helps you both find a community where you can chat with folks about and learn, but also perhaps helps you know where to focus and discover new artists as releases come out. And so, um, yeah, maybe we could start with you go back the other way around clown vamp. What platforms do you think folks should know about
2: yeah, I mean, I think there's a few things that people are doing and trying that are sort of, I think we're all in that experimentation stage. So on Tezos, there's a platform called M Props, which is really cool, which for those who collect a of generative art, I think will resonate, where they're actually doing, um, I think someone was talking about this sort of earlier too, but they're actually doing live diffusion. So when you mint it, it actually generates live and mints the image. So you have that sort of, it's not, uh, there's no human in the loop curation, which is really, is a fun challenge as a creator because you have to build a set of prompts and um, image prompts and sort of custom trained models that have a much lower sort of like risk of error. And so they launched a few months ago, their Genesis collection minted for one Tezos and now the floor I think is like 150 Tezos. So, you know, 150X, nothing to sneeze at. And um, they um, just launched a collection yesterday that minted out in 15 minutes from um, the really wonderful Danielle King. That's a really beautiful collection. I'm into some of those. Um, so definitely encourage you to check out props. And then there's a bunch of people sort of doing different things that are experimenting. Um, there's a lot of people right now doing interesting things with foundation worlds. So um, Green Dude, who is a really talented AI collector that has collected a lot of emerging AI artists, um, he has a foundation world that he started that um, I, I saw a bunch of pieces I want, and so, you know, let me go, let me go look first, but, um, uh, but I think, you know, he's someone to watch and then, um, super chief, the New York and LA based gallery, um, they've been doing AI shows, um, uh, for a while now, they've been like an early booster of Claire. Um, you know, they're doing roughly one AI show a month, either in New York or LA. Um, uh, and even their non AI shows have a really heavy AI representation, and that team is just very on top of it, truly loves AI, has a really good nose for AI. Um, and so you're definitely you know good to follow them on Twitter and you know check out the various shows they're dropping. They do them now all as Foundation Worlds, if they're on Ethereum, so you can see all of them. Uh, and just super impressed, super impressed by them. Oh, that's awesome. And
0: one quick follow-up question for you, Clown Vamp. When you were talking about Green Dude doing a foundation world is that like based off of foundation the platform where you can kind of curate specific things and point people in a direction or is that like a a separate platform
2: yeah foundation world is this new feature they they did where um you can um you can literally go and um you can literally go and you as a curator can go and like pick artists and then um, you can bring them all onto one page. The curator gets a fee. Uh, and the curator's job is to sort of assemble, curate, and market. Sort of, And people are doing them as shows. They're doing as virtual events. They're doing sort of like a mix of all of the above. Um, and so it's pretty cool.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I love that. I'll have to check that out as well. Uh, Linus, any other platforms or... We can even expand this to communities that you think folks should know about as they're exploring AI art. yeah, I think
3: I think that the the emerging
0: platforms to touch on super chief
3: um, super chief uh, as a gallery has done has really kind of like opened my eyes. Uh, co- community is a different story, right? So I one of the sort of bull cases for me around AI art is that there's still, not too many emerging communities like we've seen with, um, like we've seen with some of the other niches within within the space, right? With collectibles, you might have like very active Discord communities. Whereas with AI, I still am having more private conversations, and and of course we have the AI thread there in Grailers, and I would um, love. I'd love for somebody to actually have a more community-centric uh, AI group, and maybe there's one out there that I'm that I'm not quite aware of. Uh, so yeah, th- I think that that's something that um, could be a great uh, place for people to congregate and learn more. Um, but at the time, at right now, as of now, I think it's more circular around like smaller areas or within kind of Mirage Gallery or within braindrops, or within groups that are just
0: emerging through the discussion. Got it. And in Bamp, you have your own community, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right?
2: Yeah. So we have a um, collective, it's an artist collective, there's 75 artists in it, it's called Maif. Um On Twitter, it's just at Mafe MAF, so M-A-I-F, three times. And if you look at who the account's following, that's all the artists in there. Um, and there's a bunch of artists, you know, that you might recognize like Claire, red and you know, Richard, who we mentioned. Um, so it's a really fun group, very much like best practices shared. And then we also started doing events. So we did a IRL show last week in LA with super chief. Um, and you know, the show, uh, I think is almost sold out. I think there's only six pieces left of 62. Um, and the pieces are really good that are left. So definitely, you know, I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll show that, um, And um, yeah, so that's been really fun. And there's um, another, there's a couple other sort of artist side communities. So there's AIIA, um, which is another AI based art collective. Um, There's also Accelerate Art, which isn't exclusively AI art, but has a lot of really good AI representation. Um, And then there's um, the organization that I'm blanking on the name in this minute that Roop is really involved in that's really focused on sort of AI photography. Fellowship. Yeah. Um, so there's a bunch of sort of like artist side communities that have developed and emerged. I would yeah, I would agree that on the collector side, there hasn't been um, as much. There are like existing DAOs, like obviously you mentioned Grailers that I know is really interested in AI. There's Carpe Diem, um, which is primarily a Tezos DAO that's been really early and active in AI in a really exciting way. Um, and I, I think I saw there's someone started, I think it's Cyborg DAO, which is Focus just on AI art. I think they're just getting started. So I think, to Linus's point, on the on the bullish side, like one of the things that's fun for me as a collector is I still feel like there's a lot of way to go. Like there's a lot of maturing as a market for there to be, um, and that that's fun because there's a lot of like interesting nooks and crannies to find out and discover. And um, but yeah, definitely encourage anyone who who wants to start, you know, an AI you know collector community to do so. And um, you know, I would love to join. So yeah. <laughs> And I mean, I ended up learning so much from, uh, from all of you. Uh,
4: I, I would just add one more place. Uh, I discovered so many amazing artists and artwork by just browsing through the hashtag uh, Claire AI content. Uh, yeah, these are the, con- uh, the AI uh, uh, contests that Claire Silva runs um, every other month. And uh, in the end of the uh, at the end of March, there will be a fourth one. So just type in hashtag Claire AI contest, and uh, you will see so many incredible works.
0: Awesome. Hello? Oh yeah, Linus, go ahead. Oh yeah, there's there's a lot of great resources
3: out there though. So while there might not be, uh, we might not hit have hit sort of like client side, collector side congregation yet. There are still a ton of great resources. There are threads. Clown Vamp has some in- immaculate threads that highlight artists. I think that you share those weekly. Claire has threads on on both how to tr- do your own models and what tools to use, as well as like other artists that she's working with on a highlighting. So, Um, I think that you can even reach out to me and and I I have a a bunch of them saved, so I have no problem sharing those with people if they're interested.
2: I think um, that brings up a point that I think is really good too, which is that I highly, 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 highly encourage anyone who's collecting AI art um, to try making AI art. You you don't have to mint it, you don't have to show it to anyone. Um, But in terms of sort of appreciating what is possible, also what's easy, what's not easy, what's maybe unique. I think even spending like an hour or two on a sleepy, rainy Sunday you know, playing around, I think will give you a really good sense. Like there's certain sort of like, and someone did a, a thread the other day about this, which I thought was sort of interesting. There's certain like color palettes, lighting, there's certain things that just like AI systems sort of default to unless you sort of you know, put a little elbow grease in. And like those can often be sort of a tell uh, around like sort of the level of sort of artistic intent, I think. And like, once you start to play around with it, I think you'll develop, even after just a couple hours, a much better sort of sense. sort of some of those nuances of like, Oh, like, you know, like if I'll see a piece and I'll be like, Oh yeah, that's like mid journey. That's like super mid journey ish. And like what I mean by that is there's a certain like out of the box style that mid journey wants to default to if you don't fight it a little bit. Um, and learning some of those out of the box styles I think will help you also as a collector and it's fun like you know any everyone should try creating ai art it's like it's just like you'll you'll geek out
1: i have to say this has been incredibly enlightening and it it, it kind of reminds me of uh, when i i found zancan on tezos super early on and you could buy stuff for 100 tez um, i mean it was pretty Pretty incredible, and, and just to hear what you guys are sharing. I, one of the things that I would recommend anybody listening is, you know, you guys have given an incredible amount of recommendations and resources. Something that um, I'm going to have to go back and listen to three or four times myself. But you know, a reminder that you know, just like Linus, I too run to fund. So there's obviously some monetary aspect to what we do but at the same time this is still art you know finding collections that have a deep resonance with you pieces that you can connect with and and start to develop the conviction and let that passion propagate uh to others who who have an interest is, is always you know a, a great baseline and and generally i like to say is if, if you have a allure to it aesthetically chances are uh, there's gonna be a community that can can uh, form around that same love for for the aesthetic so just a reminder that we're all coming back to art but with that being said, you know the the position or the question I had next is you know part of me ramping up some of my nft and and art knowledge was was always like jumping into collector's wallets and and seeing what had that resonance with me like what is it that I was drawn to do you and I forget the order now? Maybe P, you can you can help me. But maybe we start with Lioness, because you've been in the middle the whole time, and we can we can then go uh, in an erratic fashion. But are there any collectors or wallets that you would recommend the listenership to jump into and just start kind of seeing maybe the, the breadth of of pieces uh, that, and maybe put another way, of collectors that you respect and would uh, recommend people digging into.
3: Yeah, this is a great question. Actually, this is – when I'm diving, That's something is one of the first places I start is I try to find like what does somebody consider the OG piece? What are the OG pieces? And, and then like what's the provenance behind that piece? And then I try to like explore, branch out from there. And that led me to Pindar. Who had collected Claire's Genesis piece. And the more I dug into Pindar's like wallet, the more I had discovered what a G he was at collecting artists early on. He has early obvious piece. He has like incredibly early obvious piece or an obvious genesis piece or something on Super Rare. I don't think we mentioned obvious, but Obvious uh, is the is uh, one of the first ever or the first ever AI artists on Super Rare. As well as sold a piece for 432000 the largest at Christie's, um, and has a brain drops collection. That's very nice. Um, so I saw Pindar was collecting their work. And so I started exploring through Pindar's wallet. Now, he's not uh, as like active as a collector, but he's an incredibly sharp one. And he seems to find stuff early, and, and you can learn a lot from. Um, from what he bought early on, at least within this period, within the, the Wave Zero, as, um, as Clanvim called it. And then uh, I would then second with Mr. 703. Uh, Mr. 703 um, is uh, an incredible collector in the AI space, um, he, or within the NFT space at large. Um, you can take a look and see kind of the pieces that he's collecting within collections um and i would recommend navigating around there and then um probably you could go check out Cloudman's wallet on tezos or some of the people that he's buying um right now in one of ones because i he definitely buys he definitely finds some of these artists quite early in
2: their career arc in a in a very uh very great way well that was really nice of you thanks linus
1: yeah, that's um, the perfect transition to to you, Clown Vamp. Yeah. Outside of your own wallet, uh, are there any others that you would like? Uh, you would recommend oh, so a deep dive?
2: Oh, so many. I mean, Linus is a great AI collection, um, and so I definitely recommend checking out checking out his wallet. Um, there's, I mean, okay, I mean, I'll just I'll just name dump you for a second. There's, Danielle um, Danielle has a great collection. Um, Scoony. S-C-U-N-I is in a non-collector who's Tezos native. Who I mean he has some of the first pieces from some of the artists who've been blowing up and is just like incredible at finding stuff. Um Anacondo, who I mentioned before is an artist, but also a really prolific collector. Um Green Dude, who I mentioned, is really, really good at finding stuff, especially he'll, you know, I feel like he he's on foundations like you know, new mid feed all the time, finding these amazing stuff. Um, Chris Ostach, who's the CEO of transient labs. Um, he has an amazing collection, just like kind of shockingly, shockingly good. And if you go in there and you scroll back, I mean, you'll find a lot of people who are now selling for three that he was buying for, you know, 0.1. Um, let's see who else, um, hotel market 20, um, is on tezos has a really great collection aj Burney, the founder of tender also has a really good ai collection um there's a bunch of people in this room who are really great uh collectors too i mean like i see green in here who has a really amazing um art collection so like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people who i think of as like really 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 talented so i know i just miss someone i mean i know i miss like 30 people um but those are just a couple
1: no, that's what I love about digging into these wallets. Is you you start going down a rabbit hole, and all of a sudden you're basically asking people who their firstborn is. I mean, it's just incredible. <laughs> you can you can waste hours and hours doing that. And I remember doing that in the early days of of my Teslas collecting. So, uh, you know, I, I would really encourage everybody who's collecting just to start clicking around and and feel free to get lost in that rabbit hole because it's just it's such a beautiful process once you you allow yourself to do it.
2: Oh yeah, um, Ganbrood too. Ganbrood has a great um, AI collection, so he he finds stuff really early. Uh, another one of his amazing skills. Oh, this is this is I'm so excited for this. You guys are giving
0: so much, uh, so much to dig into. So as Jared was saying earlier, this is a lot of names. So don't worry, everybody. I'm going. I'm recording all this, and we will tweet this out, so you'll be able to link, like find everything here. You won't have to take notes. Would appreciate a retweet of that, of course. Um, and uh, obviously, follow our fantastic guests here. I have a, another question for you that, and, and it looks like Tim may have gotten route, right, unfortunately. So if he's able to hop back in, we'll bring him up on stage. Uh, but for Clown Vamp and Linus, what are some trends that you all are seeing in AI art? And I will, uh, you can answer this however you want. Uh, some things that come into mind are certain genres. For example, it does seem like the the, uh, post-photography processing is a trend. But um, what other trends are you seeing, whether it is genres or collaborations or, you know, different platforms, ordinals, however you want to take it. But I'm curious, since you guys have your ears to the ground in this space, if there's interesting stuff coming up you've noticed.
2: Um, I I mean I think I like, definitely maybe already here but like who knows how far it can go like you know I mean that very genuinely as someone who like sold my squiggles back in the day on my old account too early um, but I mean the brain drop sort of meta is definitely here right and so that's that's cool to see and um, you know you a lot of those things are at 10th floors now or sort of on their seem like they're on their path there and so that's definitely a trend um, I think more you taking a step back, you know, I think, you know, the sort of fundamental sort of cultural moment around AI is this super, super, super low barrier to entry, right? You don't even have to have like a fancy Mac. You don't even have to have like an Apple pencil. Like you just have to have like kind of decent, doesn't even have to be like kind of okay internet. And so what that does is it means a, we're going to get a much more diverse set of voices within the AI art movement, you know, geographically, socioeconomically, all, all the sort of different ways. Uh, we're already seeing that, like, there's a lot of amazing artists I collect from Thailand and Ukraine and, you know, all sorts of places um, that I just would not meet in my day-to-day existence otherwise. And so I think that's interesting, but I think the sort of knock-on effect of that is just, we're seeing so many people express themselves creatively and, you know, experiment with this stuff and mint and mint. And so, um, you know, I do think we're going to see a sort of push towards, um, pieces that have really coherent visual languages, like we talked about. And I think you're already seeing this with like red rum or Richard Nadler, or Roop or life in West America. Um, and I also think like storytelling is going to be really important. It's part of why I'm such a big fan of Dima Kami is that, you know, I think it's, um, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're able to make visual imagery in shorter amounts of time, I think that then puts, you know, time back in the creator's pocket to create more ornate sort of worlds. And I think that's something, you know, if you've ever liked comic books or cartoons, like that's something that's really fun, that marrying of storytelling and sort of visual media. Um, and so I think that's going to be a trend. Um, and you know, I think that, um, what else, um, I think, we're, I think we're getting more sophisticated on the collecting side. So in terms of some of the technical aspects of AI, in terms of like scale and resolution, I think is really important. You know, a lot of these systems, you know, organically generate images that are very, 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 very small. And it's technically quite difficult to upscale them in a way that either retains or adds details and looks good. Um, it's not impossible. It's just hard. And I think you're starting to see collectors raise their bar of like, what is sort of like the acceptable sort of final product. Um, so I think that's sort of going to be a trend too, is like, I think collectors sort of saying, okay, like, if an image is super low resolution, even if it seems like it has nice composition, I'm not going to be able to display it. I'm not going to be able to print it. So I think that sophistication is sort of coming really rapidly too.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'll start with, um, of course, one of the trends is, is post photography. Um, and the fellowship fellowship has a drop coming out here, um, with uh, passes and and I think post photography is sort of like potentially what what took uh, potentially AI public. Um, you, I think maybe flow fields kind of potentially did that for Gen Art, um, and uh, in the sort of sense of like I think right now we've still seen this bit of like transhuman type of AI art that's that's centered around kind of like the form um, using if you're using like mid journey you're seeing like a lot of like dystopian or, or sort of like world world building type pieces but um, I think we may see a move into a, like a bit more conceptual abstraction now that you can sort of uh, create sketches and input your own data into the models and i think we'll see like or at least i hope that we'll see a move into like more abstract conceptual art i don't mean abstract in the sense of like what humans creating i mean more abstract in the sense of like the meaning of the piece is much more dictated beforehand than than pre-work than post-work um at least in my own sense of how i'm like looking at some of the some of the ai mediums for, and su- subjects from the last few months is that um, you kind of like come up with a prompt and then the output and, or prompt or, or the model and then like you create meaning with the output it's like as it comes i think we'll see a lot more like really great art that is conceptualized beforehand in a in a way that um, kind of is reminiscent of some more, some more wild traditional art that you might see. Um, I think like another trend that kind of is prominent existing right now is a bit of surrealism. The way that the AI can, or or maybe like reflectionism, the way that the AI, way that the AI can like make a duality in a piece kind of like a sunrise turns into a sunset. You can see it in some of Rupes, in some Rupes pieces in life in West America. There was a recent Bado piece that did it um, that was stunning. But then, then I noticed that like some of the further Bado outputs were, were like incorporated this idea within it, this like duality. Um, And yeah, I'm hopeful to see a bit more like wild abstraction into the, into the, into the pre-work and then that comes out in the post and, and like as an example, I saw that there's like a Richard Nadler piece that I that I really like that had sold that really kind of like pushed
0: me, edged me into that direction. Oh, this is this is awesome. Thank you for sharing all of those. I wanted to quickly add a, a couple things that have been in my mind. Um, you mentioned Botto there. For folks who don't know, Botto is this I, I don't even know all the details, but it's this really interesting project where you have this AI artist and the community comes together and can vote on different pieces. So essentially they release something like a thousand pieces that you can vote on every week. And I won't go into all the details, but the, the piece that gets the most vote will ultimately go up for a super rare auction. They've done something like 64 of those. It's, it's currently on the 65th one and uh, probably in part due to volume, but it's like the number 12 last I checked selling artist all time on super rare, so that's really cool. I think that you know perhaps we see a trend where you have more of these community curated outputs that go into the AI. I'm also really curious to see what happens with the different types of data that are used to train these models. Of course, you have the prompt-based ones like MidJourney and then people can add their own custom data, but I'd be really curious to see how people are experimenting with the data that feeds into the outputs as well. I'm sure there's a ton of that going on. And uh, another thing, I mean, kind of related is I don't know how many like collaborations we see with AI art, but it seems like in general with generative art as well, collaborations are increasing. So a lot of really cool stuff that I'm sure is happening. And that's not even counting the technical side and, and what happens as the technology upgrades and the uh, new whatever models, techniques, like uh, diffusion weighting, that, as van talked about recently being a new one, how those impact the art that we see
2: so I um, think there's mm -hmm. like a lot of really interesting things around the edges of like what are things we can do with AI that we couldn't do with um with you know with traditional art so like I did a piece um for um the scope fair during art Basel that it was a visual piece but it also came with an accompanying gpt3 prompt which would generate a fake interview with the subject of the piece. Every time you ran it, it would have a different perspective. And it was meant to sort of illustrate a point. And, you know, um, and like that's something you couldn't do in like traditional art mediums, right? Have like an infinitely generating, essentially like accompaniment. And so I also think like artists, as the tools get more and more sophisticated, I think there'll be like an inherent sort of like push to like, okay like what can we do that we couldn't do before which right now i think a lot of what we're doing is like here's stuff we could do before by hand but now we're doing it with ai and it's faster and i can do some interesting things as a result of that i think the next iteration is saying if humans now have a superpower how do we like use that to achieve bigger things than we could have done before that's i also think just like a large meta narrative that'll sort of happen right
3: i'm 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 fairly selective as a collector and, and those, what you're talking about is the character of, of, how do I explain this? Um, Using the technology to conceptualize something that couldn't be done before. Those are the works that as a collector, I get obsessed with that. I just like can't stop thinking about obsessing over, um, my favorite example would be Gazers. That's a prime example of something that that I think just challenged what it's like to be on chain and 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 looks at impermanence and and the transitory nature of time and space and where we are, and it incorporated that through Gen art. And so if we start seeing things like that with AI. Uh, that that is what will really, I think, open up the world, of the, the traditional world, um, and then open up. A lot of people as a collector. I hope we head there. That's that's like, I would love to see works along those lines.
0: Yeah, that that's super cool. And I, I, you're right. I love that stuff too. I love the use of like the blockchain and these networks that we have, and incorporating that into the art. And that's even without AI. And so, I uh, I wanted to like, in the interest of time, open up the audience, excuse me, open up the floor to the audience if anyone has any questions for Clown vamp or Linus. And while people are deciding if they'd like to request or going ahead and requesting, I have a, a question for you guys real quick. Um, and, and this has kind of been answered. So, just, you know, actually, you know, I'll hold my question if we have time afterwards, because I do think it's been answered. We'll let uh, Nuclear ask the question here. We'll get you up here, Nuclear Samurai. There
5: you go. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, hey. Sorry, I was doing that thing where you can't hear when, you, when it's micing you up. Um, I just had a quick question for Clown Vamp, or really for everyone. Um, you know, so for me, I've been, um, and also I didn't get to hear your question. So, uh, what was your question? No, no, no. I, I paused it. I wanted to give you the floor. Oh, legendary, cool. Um, so you know, I've been um, I've been you know, kind of establishing myself in um, ETH uh, for the last like ten months, and you know, I've been you know, getting collectors, and I've been getting kind of like stuff going on there. But I've recently been wanting to kind of like make the transition to Tez because you know, I just feel like um, I want to do stuff that's kind of outside of my existing style, and I, I feel like Tez is a good kind of like marketplace to do that, but. The one thing that i worry about is like you know making a new entry into a a kind of new ecosystem um what you know what's kind of the right way to go about like pricing that won't offend my collectors already who've invested in me and collected my work in eth because obviously in tez you know the pricing is very different um yeah so that's kind of one of the things that's kind of like putting the brakes on me making that entry um what's your opinion on that
2: yeah i think um I, I, you know, I kind of think like, you know, I'm sort of of the like realist view on Tez of like stuff is priced lower. Like, like it's just, I think some, some people want to say that it shouldn't be or like, and I'm kind of like, well, like maybe it should or shouldn't, but it is. Um, and so I think people have sort of the, that expectation. And I think if, you know, if you have pieces that are priced, I don't know, somewhere in the 20 to 40% lower range on Tez, like I don't think anyone would feel like it's weird. Um, so that would, be, that would be my sort of reaction. Um, the other thing, though, I think more in general on Tez is that, you know, it's a much more of an addition culture. And so, like, you know, there's a lot of Tez artists who basically only do additions. And so I also think, you know, that's another way to maybe think about Tez is, like, you know, Tez is a place for you to build your community and, like, make friends and, like, do that and, like, do that mostly through additions. And so that might be another way to think about it a little bit differently is rather than, okay, like, I'm gonna sell some one-on-ones of Tez. How do I price them if I have a one-on-one market on Ethereum? Maybe it's, you know, Tez, I'm gonna do additions and I'm gonna do some of these experiments. And, you know, because they're additions, they're gonna be priced in just a different sort of construct. Um, I don't know, Linus, what do you think?
3: Okay, well, I, I approach this from like an economic perspective. So it's different than than an artist perspective, right? Um, and I kind of have this like dichotomy where on one hand, I view Tez as, as like a place where it's a playground um, where an artist can explore kind of like from an economics like standpoint, like what price people are willing to buy. They're experimenting with their art. Um, what, like, what addition, like what the market looks like for additions, what the market looks like for one of ones, like which types of pieces people like to collect. Um, in, the same, in that same category of like freedom, as a collector myself, one and I'll give you like some like information about how I think about buying things. one of the things that I look for when I'm looking at an artist, besides like their body of work and, and some of these other like things, these other abstract things is I look to see how many pieces they've shared. and um, I do give a penalty when I see like their first ever, works with kind of like no thought of anything just minting over and over over again. So I see the really crude stuff that maybe has nothing to do with their modern body. And as a as a as a collector, I penalize that a little bit. Um, So I guess what I'm saying is and not everyone thinks like that. And that doesn't mean that that's something that you should should think about. But um, my recommendation is is like experiment with your body's work that you want to put on there and then experiment with like what people are like are buying sort of addition size, one-on-one size and see like, which both fits like what you putting out there and then what they, and then what people buy. But start with a price. When it comes to pricing, if you're, if you're an experienced artist and creator, I think you have like a general sense of like what people are willing to spend for your works. And then create like a multiplier or a derivative of that, uh, find like a, a mathematical derivative, and then and then post it on Tez. So like if you're used to selling stuff for an eat like fifteen hundred dollars in real life for something, then then maybe your additions are scaled down to like um like ten x that um, at one hundred fifty a piece or something. Um, because Tez would be like kind of this early playground for discovery um or if for your 101 maybe you scale it down like uh 3x from there or 2x or something so my recommendation is maybe look at other artists see what they what they do and then look at their bodies of work that they sold like on ETH prior or after
1: i also think that like tez is uh, a really interesting playground i mean one of the artists i love is matt delorier you could see that you know, a lot of his additions are almost precursors to, to future work. I don't think that there's any right answer. I think it's just uh, what's right for you. And, and at the same time, uh, I, I love Tezos especially because I think that it, it creates onboarding for uh, a greater community at different entry points. Uh, and so that way a, a greater we'll call it swath of collectorship can... can take pride in the ownership of pieces?
5: Uh, those are some great answers. And yeah, one of the interesting things is that um, what appeals to me on on why I kind of want to make that entry into Tez is that I want to start collecting more on Tez and I want to start connecting more with other people. And I think that, that it looks like an appealing marketplace to do that. And so I was like, you know, I, I think I want to start building in those communities uh, because, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard on ETH because, you know, Ethereum has high gas fees and Ethereum has like, you know, a lot of competition. And, you know, I find that, you know, I consider myself quite grateful that I've had great collectors on ETH and, you know, I'm not going to stop working there. But, you know, there's other things that I want to kind of like, I want to test the waters with some things and I don't really feel comfortable doing that with ETH. So I think the test is appealing in that regard.
0: Yeah, awesome. Thank you for those like fantastic responses, everybody. And great question. Uh, I think this is an important one that doesn't get talked about enough. So appreciate you asking that. And uh, before bringing up the the next request, I just want to do a quick time check for Clown Vamp and Linus. Do you guys have a few more few more minutes, or do you need a wrap?
2: I, I have to pop uh, at the thirty minute mark. Okay, awesome.
0: And the, Linus, uh, do you want to field the question, or do you have to run too? I, I can I, I can stay in chat. You can say okay awesome you
3: guys run well why don't
0: why don't we just say like thank you so much to clown vamp i mean uh, i don't think we'll be able to answer in a minute and i want to get you out on time you've been super generous with your time so thank you so thanks much for joining me. the just fantastic responses and sharing all of your knowledge with with us like really really appreciate it
2: thanks for having me and sorry to miss the rest of it and oh my god there's so many ogs in the uh audience who know way more than me and so that that i just noticed that so oh my god Okay, right, bye love y'all see ya See you. Thanks again. Thanks again. Uh, Hi, Low.
0: Take care, man. We'll, we'll be touch. Hi, Low. I think you were next.
6: Hey, thanks for having me up. Uh, it's good to see you guys over uh, from here. I see you guys a lot on Decca, so you guys have done a great job building out the space. And, and thanks to the speakers too. Incredible value uh, of information shared today. Um, if if uh, Nuclear's question was on sort of the artist mentality minus sort of on the collector's mentality. Um, one of my greatest regrets will be uh, tracking braindrops back much earlier this year, but but uh, not not seeing it until the time was too late and having the, the button poised or the finger poised over the button to mint to mint, uh, to mint uh, life in West America, but can't compete with bots, of course. So I think that there's a danger of when it, when a platform like Braindrops becomes, or enjoys a sudden exposure, I think there's the danger for collectors of feeling like that work is unattainable, um, especially if they were watching it when it was much lower. And so I'm curious um, of the of the places that you've shared, the artists you've shared, or the communities you've shared, um, where to begin looking to get involved, or, or is the beauty that we're just so early that you can still jump into Braindrops just like everybody else? Or is the answer Tez? <laughs> I've been hearing that theme.
3: Yeah, look, I'm, I'm working with, this thesis that I've shared um, to a few friends and that thesis is that like the genre of AI is has the potential to be like at the scale of what NFT NFTs are themselves. And that doesn't mean, or, or bigger, but that doesn't mean like the genre of AI art. It could just be AI itself I think will be bigger than NFTs. And so like this sub niche within that, Um, I think you can categorize it as potentially much bigger than gen art. Um, I think it appealed to a broader audience. And so one of the first things I think about in that sense is, is uh, what liquidity exists in NFTs in that. um, And where does that liquidity want to go? Thinking from like a financial perspective. So, so where does that liquidity want to, want to go? And like Relative to using GenArt as a benchmark, um, I think that there's a a much smaller supply in the ecosystem. And per something I said earlier in that, I think that there's still at least like a six month runway before we have the tools or we have the, the artistry or the skill to create like large-scale collections that are cohesive and 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 teledefined narrative and and aesthetically appealing and appeal to a broad audience and so you have these two things you have like a design you have like a, a, a an explosion in a niche um and you have liquidity that wants to drive somewhere but you don't have but then you have an absence of collection, so you have like low supply high demand type of type of graph and and to me, that was a like a bull case for why um, brain drops would continue to run up because in the absence of liquidity, going somewhere it just goes upwards, right? So, so a lot of people over the past like few weeks, and months have, have DM'd me and said like, you know, can brain drops keep going up? And I don't like to tell kind of like people yes or no. I just like present cases, but but for me. Uh, I felt that it, it still had room because of the problem I just presented in that liquidity has to go somewhere because it wants to go somewhere because AI is inevitable. And, and Braindrops would be sort of the platform. Braindrops has an incredible drop cadence that really grabs people's attention that like every three to four weeks is just enough to like reel you in and then, and then leave you hanging and wanting you to come back for more. It doesn't saturate the market. It really focuses on, like, Justin does an incredible job of, like, high-level curation, bringing on the best, like, artists who are either up and coming or, or, or well-known already. And so, like, you have all of those things. So people are like, well, I don't want to spend 10 or 12 ETH for a project. And I think that that's understandable. It's an expensive price point. So, like, where can you look? Um, there are some, like, smaller collections out there that are worth taking, like, older historic collections. You could look at Ann Spalter's stuff, like Spaceships. You can look at... Um, um, sightseers, you can look at Pinder's Pinder's work. Like there's still works out there that are, that are, uh, relatively cheap. But I think that that they, you know, supply doesn't last too long, and then they don't have the, the attention that a, a platform like BrainJobs does. So if you're looking for liquidity or wanting to sell something later, then you, then you can run into problems. Um, but, but absence of that, I I, I think that the next place to look would be, is really one of one art. I think that. The absence of liquidity, maybe it doesn't go upwards. Maybe it goes horizontal, and horizontal would be in one of one artists. And I think, like, I looked at Super Rare this last month. I think Tim actually had some an incredible substack that looked at, like, kind of like what art was exploding. And AI 101 is, is like on the up and up. These artists, like Red Rum, Data Velvet, stuff I was collecting, you know, or looking at, you know, three, four months ago even a month ago it was 0.25 ETH. Now it's like three ETH, right? And so I think you'll start to see more of these artists convert over and people start to collect more one of one works. And that's the horizontal transition. And so, you know, soon you'll start to see like 12 ETH sales and and, and 15 ETH sale. And then like some artists will catapult into the like Grant Young kind of category potentially. Um, and so that's a- another option of where you can look to collect because I still think that that is nascent and in and in the in the collections since the price is driving up and there's no new collections coming out. Then you look at one-on-one artists who are very cheap relative to some of these things, and 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 they have some incredible works, right? When you're doing AI, you can hand curate stuff, and so one-of-ones can potentially come out much better than collections anyway. It's it takes something special to create a collection like Life in West America, um, and yeah, uh, this this also has the potential in AI it really does have a potential for like dilution. It could be six months. It could be two years, but like, as the tech, it's like a self-fulfilling technology and that like it builds upon itself. Right. Wait till AGI comes out. Then we're really, then we're really screwed. But um, what that means is like over time, I think like art will become more and more and more aesthetically perfect. And then we'll really respect kind of these earlier middle eras. Um, but when that happens, people will just be degenerating AI collections like they are everything else. Um, That's to me is like where, where you can take notice and say like, okay, maybe we've reached our peak is when, when you've hit that phase. But I just don't think that that phase is possible right now. And so that's my bull case. That's like my bull scenario for why like AI is just being started. And like, it could be worth it to jump into break drops still. Um, Or any new collection will probably just be
0: very hot. If it comes out, it'll just come out hot because there's, no other ai collections coming out that this is a fantastic point about the supply not quite being able to meet the demand at least for now and and that could change from the technological standpoint and you also make a really great point about you know uh the the price points right like there are some like if if you are willing to spend 100 ether there are some collections out there uh that around 10 ether where it might make sense if you're really only trying to spend five ether then there are other options in the up-and-coming uh, segment that we talked about a few artists here and a few platforms too. Like another one I wanted to highlight there is just, just think about the Tezo side, right? Which tends to be a lower price point as well. And now we have this emergent properties platform. And, uh, you know, I think it was Clown Van who mentioned that recent collection by Danielle King, who I see in the audience, The, the Muses, which was a great collection, minted at 25 Tez. And so there are certainly ways to do it, I think, that um, where you can kind of find what you're looking for. And, and pros and cons, for better or worse, you kind of have to do your homework right now in the AI space, which is why we're having the spaces, of course. Uh, but I think that presents opportunities because it's not crazy, degen, competitive yet all over the place. Although that, that may be the case for the Braindrops next release, uh, given the, the prominence of their last one, Life in West America but a fantastic question. Thank you for asking it. Um, Flake Art, I, I believe you were next. Hello.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so my name is Rook um, from the Flake Art DAO. I'm a penetration tester, hacker, and also AI artist. So um, yeah, very interesting. I wanted to, uh, you know, talk a bit about my project, if you
0: don't mind. Um, just g- kind of in the interest of time, do you mind uh, sending us a note about it and then, uh, you know, we, we can cover it uh, just because I want to be respectful of Linus' yeah. this time since he's been up well, for a while.
2: Uh, just to just to be on topic, um, specifically, you mentioned curation. All of our work has to be curated by holders. So I'm an artist in the DAO and I have to make sure that my art, artwork is held to a particular, you know, particular standard. And so you can see some of the work we're putting out and definitely looking forward to um Hearing any feedback if you're if you're available. So anyway, please, thank you.
0: please, and please send me a DM. We'll get back to you, and uh, we'll we'll make sure to take a look at it and give it the the light it deserves. Thank you for sounds good. Up. Thank you. Appreciate your patience as well. Um, last one, Pop Punk.
5: Hey,
7: it's been great spaces. I learned so much. Clown and Linus and everybody it was great. History and things. Uh, I just wanted to ask about kind of the AI premium. I've always been like agnostic on AI. I think I kind of collect what I want. Of course, I have other qualifiers, but it does seem like in the last four months, people are actually putting quite a premium on pieces that are created in AI, especially in the upper end and collections. And I'm interested to just hear your all thoughts. If <clears throat> you know this AI premium, if it's going to take off, is that going to is that going to stick around, especially for early work? Um, and I guess that was, that was the larger question. Like you think AI specific is uh, like being a premium since it's early will continue?
3: Guys, my, uh, my phone cut out, I had a call coming. Could you reshare most of the question for me?
0: Yeah, uh, so, so what Popunk is saying is that it seems like as AI art has become a little bit more in the meta, there seems to be a bit of premium for AI art. And I believe the question was like, if we think that'll continue.
3: Um, uh, I, I guess I still don't quite follow the question. So the the we're asking oh, about just like yeah yeah go
7: ahead. Don't worry about that. I was just saying, like I feel like I was always agnostic. So I thought A I art, and I didn't have a problem with A I art at all. I thought whatever it outputs is fine. Obviously, now kind of the meta is there's almost a premium on A I art, especially at the upper end. And so I was wondering how long you think that kind of will last like is there a certain like are we in an era where these will be early pieces and so the ones that take off will get quite a premium because they're ai early or i don't know i guess that's kind of the question like how long does this premium last okay got you
3: yeah um interesting question um i think i think my answer revolves around the last question at least to answer this in two parts in the sense that I personally think that um, AI as a AI as a category, as a niche or whatever, is still in like a nascent phase, and I gather that by the lack of sort of large scale communities there are around it, by the, la- the the inability to create like scaled collections, by you know, not having these massive one-on-one sales on Super Air yet, um, by even like Danielle had an amazing collection come out yesterday. By just sort of um, the the a bit of the the nascent knowledge around these things that I'm tracking, it tells me that that you know the premium is still has like a way to go. Um, I don't think we've seen like artists like. Rupe or Claire really drop during a period when there was this 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 like knowledge of what AI is and what this and like what the AI collecting is and what the space and the artists are. So for me, that premium hasn't really existed yet. And and what I think you'll take notice is that like the Bright Moments Pass is coming out uh for the Dutch auction for Tokyo. And I think Gen the Gen Art Passes drop came out and they dropped they, they ended up selling for like 0.8, 0.85 ETH or something. And the AI passes will outperform will outperform them, I think, this time around. And I think that'll probably be like the first signal that that the premium exists and that it's gonna be here for a little bit. And then yeah, I think it's probably like most things, right? Like most people in this space, their their attention is, is slow and I mean, we've moved from Bitcoin in 2013 to ETH, to ICOs, to, to, to NFTs, to, to DeFi Summer, to, 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 to ART, to, to whatever. Um, I all think they're going to end up being like, you know, 20 years from now, they'll all exist as their own thing, not even knowing that the other is part of each other. And I think that's OK. That's a great thing. And then some things will have premiums within each category. But like we, there are there's only so many people right here, right now in this market, in the bear market, and um, I do think that the premium has like a ceiling. I do think that the like prices have ceilings, um, and a lot of it's psychological um, because you know there is an absence of like top end buyers in a bull market. This AI stuff would would probably be going for hundreds of ETH right now, like in speculation. Um, but being as we are, and we and we're still nascent. As a community, um, as a collection, as a group, as artists, um, people are kind of like a little scared to pay up with those multipliers, and because those multipliers don't exist, like, like nobody's bought a Claire Genesis, like above, like above, they're at twenty-five or whatever, and they're incredible, but there's barely been any above-floor buys. There's twenty-nine, like people aren't really paying for rarity, but because of that, like that tells me that there's are still um, that that if they were selling for a hundred, then you'd really have a premium. So for me, I'm willing to pay the premium because I think it's worth it in that sense because of the, because we haven't seen those multipliers up top. I think it's all undervalued like everything. Um, And it's sort of, it's, you know, people love to throw that phrase around so early, I could be way wrong, but um, yeah, either way, I absolutely think the art is incredible. And some of the people that I'm connecting with are, are amazing humans, and they think about the world in in, in a way that um, is elucidating and connecting and intuitive. There, there's my, that's my rant.
0: No, I I love that, and I it's just so exciting to see all of the innovation, all the enthusiasm, the fact that we have the spaces, and we see so many just collectors, artists, people who are really, really excited about the future of this. New new medium, this new uh, canvas, if you will. Uh, yeah, it, it's a great time to be in the space. Really grateful for everybody showing up here and taking the time, and grateful to Linus. Thank you for your time and sharing your knowledge with everybody. Like this has been amazing. We really really appreciate you. So I I think with that we'll we'll call it. Uh, thanks everybody. This will be recorded. This will be out in our podcast. If you want to re-listen to it at a two x speed or However fast people go, I, I max out at 1.5. Um, and uh, we'll also send out a tweet thread once I've had time to gather all my notes and put together something cohesive. So uh, it should be probably next week. And that'll be a list of all the stuff we've talked about. Uh, that Next week is also that Bright Moments Tokyo Mint that Linus was talking about. Don't mint it because I want it to go lower. But, but obviously you should because it's an awesome lineup there. So you guys should check that out. And yeah, thanks everybody. We'll we'll try to do more of these. Please give us any feedback. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you, Linus. Very generous with your time, and a lot of really great information for those those listening.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. There's a lot of great. There's a lot, a lot of great people in the crowd. Some great collectors. Some great artists. So. Hopefully got a, enough shout outs in there and hopefully everyone learned. So appreciate you guys for what you're doing for the space, for what you're for for the way you're pushing people to think about the boundaries and in different ways. so a lot of love.